Welcome to the next Oscar Rewind podcast. I'm your co-host, Quentin Philipson, and to help break down two more movies for the 1977 Oscars, for the 1976 films, we have Andrea Tennis. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Yeah, nothing new is going on with me. I had a day off for once. Um, yeah, literally nothing else is going on. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, nothing much going on with me either. It's been uh, slowing down. I feel like work's been a bit better for both of us, and we've just been churning out these movies now. We got Taxi Driver done, and we are going to be then watching the next one in a few days after the All the President's Men. If you haven't listened to the last podcast, we kind of realized maybe it's best to record these after we watch each mm -hmm. one. And then just put two of them together into one podcast for you guys to make still make it easier. And so that's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so for today, we're going to be discussing The Taxi Driver. And then in a few days, we'll be talking about Bounds of Glory or whatever that one's called. I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, mm -hmm. Bounds for Glory. I have it right here in my notes. <laughs> uh, but for you guys, for us, it's a few days. For you guys, it's, you know, uh, a five-second uh, space in between, so it's not gonna be yeah, much of a difference for you guys. Won't notice. Yeah, it's gonna be the same <laughs> content for you guys. Be a little different for us, but uh, talk about the first one. Mm -hmm. Probably the one that people have heard of more. I don't think anybody's yeah. really heard of Bounds for Glory. I never have. <laughs> yeah, imagine of our 12 listeners, maybe one of them is like, uh, yeah, I've heard of it, actually. It's my favorite film of the 1970 <laughs> decade. But aside from, like, that one Bound for Glory unless, stand... Uh, unless yeah. it's a movie guru, then probably no one has heard of this. Yeah, but everyone has heard of Taxi Driver. This Absolutely. is uh, one of Martin Scorsese's most iconic, one of Robert De Niro's most iconic. Superb. And one of the most beloved films of not just this year, but of the entire decade. Mm -hmm. I think for the decade, probably... I would say easily top five, if not yeah, like right near the top. Definitely, and I mean, I can see why, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good film. I've never been a huge fan of it, or, well, I, I like it, but I feel like compared to other Scorsese <laughs> films, and also other Robert De Niro films, like this wouldn't be my number one for either of these two guys, uh, but they've just made fantastic I films. Was this my first Scorsese film, or have I watched another one? You've definitely watched others. I, well, you watched Shutter Island without me. I barely remember it. And then yeah. you've seen King of Comedy, which is also with Robert De Niro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and looking at the 70s, uh, I might take it back. Uh, this might be the, one of the most iconic years just for film in general. There's Alien, Star Wars, The Godfather, Jaws, Godfather Part Two. Halloween, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Clockwork Orange. My favorite. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, this might just be a really iconic year. Uh, but it would definitely still crack the top Ooh, 10. Take Alien off of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, your thoughts on Alien is irrelevant, Andrew. It is an iconic film. No, it sucks. Definitely one of the most iconic films. Uh, I would say Taxi Driver is probably still more iconic. I think this is a, this is a pretty big film. This is... Possibly Scorsese's most well-known film. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's made a lot of great films. Uh, I would say this, maybe The Departed, since it won Best Picture. Maybe, oh, I've seen that one too. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, yeah. That's probably his more well-known recent film. But yeah, I would say Taxi Driver is probably one of his more well-known films. 
There's a lot to talk about. This film has obviously gotten a lot of comparisons to Joker. Uh, you, you know, the original. This is a pretty good remake, though, off of the Joker 2019 mm -hmm. film. Yeah. Completely agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, very similar trends and styles. Uh, Joker's more of a mix between this and King of Comedy. Hard to tell which one it's more similar to, but it's definitely got... I feel like the style is similar to this. The story is similar to King of Comedy. That's what I would probably compare it as. I think the, the look and feel of this movie is close to Joker, but the story is very different. Uh, and Robert De Niro is great in this. He was obviously, we can get into the nominations here. He was one of the nominations. He was nominated for lead actor. Jodie Foster was nominated for supporting actress, and then it was nominated for score. And that's mm -hmm. it. It was nominated for four awards and won none of them. Score, cool. supporting actress, wow. lead actor, and best picture. Wow. Yeah. What a, what one best actor? I'm just curious. Best actor? Yeah. Oh, we've already discussed it. It was a uh, mad as hell actor from Network. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I believe all a lot of the lead actors were nominated of the of the five films. I believe, uh, I think all five are in these five movies. Uh, the one for Taxi Driver, two from Network, and one from Rocky. So I guess there was a fifth one that we haven't seen. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of the big films here uh we're all vying for the the same award unfortunately robert de niro didn't get it uh but it was a good nomination i thought he was well yeah. deserved for top five yeah I, I thought robert de niro was excellent in this i thought he did a really good job at his character yeah would you say this is your favorite robert de niro performance i don't mean to put you on the spot here but is is this one your favorite you know as of right now i think i'd say yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think Actually, of a lot of his films here. I can pull up a list or here. Or pull but... him up really quick. I can see, but honestly, he was excellent in this. I I loved the turn of events in his head and how everything kind of went down with the storyline. Because honestly, at the beginning of this film, I wasn't super impressed. I was like, oh, this is just like, you know, your typical film. But <laughs> then as like, <laughs> what are you laughing at? I think a lot of people would take offense to that. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. It's then, like, the longer I watched, the more I was hooked on it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah, so this is the the worst time to record. It looks like Litterbox is down right now, so we don't have any... Oh, shit. Yeah, so, so we're not able to actually check his movies. Uh, but from what I can think of at the top of my head, I would probably still put King of Comedy as my favorite uh, for his performance. And probably... Uh, for a Martin Scorsese film as well. I, I really like King of Comedy. And I think it's because, uh, as a whole, I like that movie more. Uh, this film does have some great parts. As much as I love pieces of Taxi Driver, I don't necessarily love the movie as a whole. It might be a hot take. Uh, even on this rewatch, I liked it more on a rewatch, but it might be my least favorite Scorsese film that I've seen. I've only seen four, so it's hard to say. But of the ones I've seen, you know, probably, you know... Uh, I, I love this movie. This is his most iconic mm. and uh, one of the most beloved films ever. And it is really great. And we'll definitely get into it here. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about. Maybe we can figure it out together. But I got the list here. Were there any other Robert De Niro films that you would put as one of your, one of your favorites? Wow. 
Honestly, uh, no, I, I think this is going to get it, but I'm going to tell you Meet the Fockers is a close second for me. Yeah. Uh, what about Dirty Grandpa? Do you like that one? Um, it's been a long time since I've watched that. I don't really remember. I, th I thought I remember not really liking it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually put Raging Bull as high, uh, higher than Tax Driver as well. He's well I've never seen that. Yeah, he's really good in that. Um, actually, I prefer King of Comedy as a movie, but I think I like his performance in Raging Bull better. Uh, he's really mm -hmm. good in that. Um, and we'll eventually talk about that. That's obviously nominated for best picture of for course, one of the years of course uh you know it's, it's, it's raging bull baby it's uh it's a scorsese film of course it's got to be nominated Jeez. now i wonder how many films he's had nominated i'm looking at scorsese's list here uh, might be the most nominated director ever and he's only won once so you know wow we can get on to taxi driver here uh mm -hmm. for those that haven't seen the film which i imagine uh, you know, unlike Bound for Glory, which we got one fan out there <laughs> listening, I imagine everybody listening has either seen Taxi Driver or knows a good chunk of Taxi Driver. Like, they probably have seen scenes from the film. They probably know the lines, especially where he's looking at himself in the mirror and saying, you talking to me? Like, everyone yeah. knows that. You talking scene. to me? Yeah. Whenever we watched that, I was like, oh, wow, this is what film like came from. Because I had no idea. I guess in my head, I'm just... I'm kind of stupid with movies. I thought it was like The Godfather or something that line came from. Nope. I learned it came from Taxi Driver. Interesting. Yeah, you're going in. That's all I pretty much knew about it the first time I watched this. Um, but I've seen this twice now. This is my second time. I've seen them both this year. So I'm, I'm still pretty new to Taxi Driver. I haven't had much to process. But this is your first time watching it. Going in. You're, you're fresh off the boat for Taxi Driver. Uh, what what was your thoughts at the beginning of the film? You said it was uh, you know you said it was a little traditional and follows similar yeah, stories I, to other movies. Well, yeah, like I wasn't like I was like at the, the like three star mark to begin with. Oh wow. Yeah, <laughs> but the the longer I watched, the more like I said, I saw this guy's transformation into like how like he kind of like viewed situations and what was going on and I was like oh wow this is really deep like I really am interested in like the progression of what happens to this lead character and at the end I'm gonna tell you it, it ranks pretty high for me I, I like how it ended I was a little confused on how it ended but I still really like how it ended overall <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah. It, it was on her own world near the ending there when we turned the movie off she was like so like that entire last half was in his head, right? And I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> I think you're in your head. No. Uh, well, I don't I might think have so. Said that, but I was confused on like why the guy didn't go to jail. Yeah, he literally I, killed three people in cold blood, but then he was like a hero. So I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, we'll get into it. I, I, okay. have, I have a few issues with like the last third, but I, I'm the opposite with you. I think the first two thirds is really good. I think. Uh, as I've said, the tagline, let's see if I can remember the top of my head, but the tagline really emphasizes this film's premise of every city, every street, there's a guy, there's a nobody dreaming of being a somebody. The tagline goes something like that. Such a good tagline. It is really it good. It really is. Yeah, it might be a top 20 tagline ever. Actually, me and Tristan were saying we should do a podcast I was taglines. literally about to say that, actually. I was like, how fun would that be? To yeah. talk about how good, like taglines are into representing the actual movie well we'll have to do it with tristan because i don't know if i've told you this mm -hmm. but that's tristan's 
best way of judging a film going in. You oh know how God. he you know how he refuses to watch trailers. What he does yeah. is he googles the film's tagline before he watches oh, the movie. God. And, I could not. Could and not. yeah, Chester really likes taglines. He says it's, it's the number one marketing technique for a film, right? Like it's a line that's supposed to emphasize something, right? Wow. Uh, I believe one of his favorites is Jurassic Park, which is uh, an adventure six uh, sixty billion years in the making. Just hmm. a pretty good tagline. It is. I like it. Yeah, so if we, if we ever do do a tagline ranking, I just, we're going to have to invite Tristan. He's the king of, of taglines. He knows all of them. At the beginning of this film, I think it does a really good job in just representing that he is just some nobody. Some loser that's out on the dumps, him applying for the position of a taxi driver, and then him becoming a taxi driver. It's just some random schmo, some random loser that's just going to be a taxi driver, He's driving around. You get to see a bit of his life. He has a nobody apartment, living a nobody life. I like how you know, we kind of end up seeing, you know, the guy is a bit of a wacko. He's a bit of a weirdo. And you really get that vibe when watching it that he's very much that person when you're walking down the streets that you kind of want to go across to the other street because yeah. you don't want to cross his path. He's just that weird weirdo. In our city, in Edmonton, we have a guy that walks around with a Mad Hatter's top hat. He was in the mall the other day. He's cool. I really like him. <laughs> so um, I've always wanted to sit down and have a coffee with him and just hang out. He seems really cool. Yeah, I was like, there goes the Mad Hatter. Yeah, wow. uh, which obviously he's not like he's that. Like, yeah. still around. I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah, he's not that odd, but like he's that kind of guy where you look at him and you go, okay, yeah, this guy's a little socially awkward. Yeah. He just <laughs> is odd, right? There's just something about he's him that's really odd. Weird. Matt Hatter guy's way cooler, by the way, than uh, than Robert De Niro. Uh, I wish I like Robert De Niro. Though. I want to. I want to move. I want to. I want a movie of that guy from our city. He's cool, but oh yeah, I feel like this movie really paints a picture pretty quickly at the beginning of this movie. And Robert De Niro, I, I agree with you. He's fantastic. You believe he's some whack job, a little odd. Oh. I didn't think for like the first ten to fifteen minutes he was like a whack. Like he, I didn't think he was super bad. But like I said, the farther you get in the film, you're just like, oh, wow, this guy really has like some kind of like mental illness or something is going on inside this guy's head. Yeah, but like at the 10 minute mark, he's in like an adult porn store, like video <laughs> place. He's just a horny dude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't even know those movie theaters actually existed. Well, they do in this world and it, yeah. it's something. Ugh. Yeah, I like how Andrew's watching that scene and goes, he seems like a normal guy. <laughs> I'd go on a date with him. Girl. But he, yeah, he goes to this um, movie theater that only plays adult films and he's like talking to the girl at the register, which should instantly show that like he's obviously talked to her before and she's very uncomfortable with him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. He thinks he's just being friendly. Like he doesn't think he's being creepy, but he's very much making her uncomfortable, which makes us uncomfortable. And I think it, that scene really sets the film up. Like, I think the beginning's really great. You really get a feel for his character. And it's very much a character study of him, who, as we've said, is it's quite a strange guy. But he's also a good person. Like, he doesn't he, mean to ever do anything. He has, a, he has a really good heart. That's that's what I think was kind of like, I found an equal balance with him almost. Like, he's a weird dude, but he has such a big heart. And he does want to do the right thing throughout the film, typically. Yeah, and I think the best part about this film is Robert De Niro is able to make that very strong balance between 
oddball weirdo and likable hero because uh at the end we're rooting for him right like i like him yeah yeah well and i was gonna say if you notice most of his female interaction like he kind of intrigues the people that he's talking to for a while until he eventually creeps them out or like becomes too much yeah people instantly notice that he's a he's a good-hearted person he doesn't mean anything wrong but he is off. There's, yeah. there's a little tick in his head that's just a little scary. off. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he creeps the person out at the register. Uh, he goes to watch some porn uh, with a bunch of other dudes in the theater. You know, nothing wrong. Andra, Andra's still watching this movie at this point thinking <laughs> he seems like a cool guy. Wow. No alarm bells in Andra's oh, head. Oh, wow. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it is Robert De Niro. But he starts creeping out this girl who's uh, part of a uh, presidential campaign. So he's sitting in his taxi, just looking through while uh, this very cute blonde is in the office, Mm -hmm. trying to work on some campaign posters and material. And this is kind of the first segment of the film. Um, Probably one of my, I wouldn't even say biggest issues, uh, but one thing that I don't love is that, to me there's quite a disconnect between this storyline and the Jodie Foster storyline. Like, I don't feel like they connect it's, that well. Yeah, I know you're right. I was actually going to bring that up myself. I I feel like they don't connect at all. Like, it's just like two random storylines being fed together by this one character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, there's, Jodie Foster in particular is pretty much the only thing I like about her storyline. Everything else about that storyline I don't love. Uh, but I do like this storyline, and we get to introduce to this first, where he's doing this, where he gets to meet this blonde girl at the campaign. He's clearly into her. I believe he stares at her through the taxi window yeah. for uh, sounds like quite a while because she has somebody go over there and chase him away. But uh, eventually, he gets the the cojones to go in there and ask her out, just as friends, for some uh, for some breakfast at a cafe, and so. This is their first interaction. She agrees. She she he's very charming yet odd. But yeah, he's uh, Andrea is still at this point. Uh, she she wants to go on a breakfast date with him at this point. He's he's very charming. You can take me out for a breakfast breakfast date a hundred percent. I go, love breakfast. So do you want to go on the porn date? No, I think I'll pass on the. Okay, porn that, date. that's where you draw yeah. the line. A little classier than that. Okay, well, <laughs> she wants you to believe. But they go to the breakfast. He. During all this, the narration is through his point of view. So he's like, the narration is him writing in his journal. And so the narration is him writing down what she had for breakfast. He's like studying her. It's very creepy, yet like he means it in a romantic way. And that's kind of the whole movie is he's doing creepy things. But the intent is there. He means to, he means well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he 100% means well. I think. I don't know. Maybe it was all in his upbringing. Maybe it's because he's kind of kind of a recluse. Uh, doesn't have a lot of people interaction, even though he's people in his taxi cab all the time. Not sure. Yeah. So uh, eventually, it goes well. So they agree to go to a second date where he takes her out for a movie. And as we've already said, that ends up being the only movie theater he knows in town, which is the porn. So he takes her out to a movie theater. They're watching good old porn. She leaves. And once again, this is, uh, we're going to say this a lot. He's weird, but means well. Because he is leaving going, what's wrong? Like, like, like did you not like the movie? <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, I actually didn't fucking like the movie. I just watched like three guys touch themselves while we were watching it. Like, this is not my thing. 
And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, 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 like I can touch you if you want. Like, let's just have a good time. Like, uh, we're just watching a movie here. Nothing wrong. And yeah, and she's like, I thought we were watching an actual movie. And he was like, well, we can watch an actual movie. Like, that's what you want. I, I don't know any. You're going to have to show me where it is. This is the only place I go. Wait, did I get up to go to the bathroom during this? I didn't realize he took her to the porn movie theater. Oh yes. I was Yeah, very no no no. Andrew Andrew was like on her phone talking to my mom and I was like, Andrea, are you not watching the movie? This is like a pretty like important scene because this is why they no longer start seeing each other. And he was just like, Oh, I'm talking to, uh, oh, I'm watching the movie. I know exactly what's going on. And not only that, but I have to talk to your mom. You want me to ignore your mom? And I'm like, Andrea, wow, just tell her tell her you're watching a movie. You were watching a movie. You can put the phone away and just just be like, hey, Ma, we're watching the movie. I'll talk to you in an hour. I'm sure she'll understand. And Andrew's like, you think she'll understand that we're watching a movie? She won't understand. That's not what I... Oh, so, I love the way that you tell stories. So, Very incorrect. It was pretty incorrect. It was pretty correct. No. But yeah, so I, I forgot. You, you missed that scene. Yeah, that's why I was like, whoa, we took her to the porn theater? Yeah, I, I like how you were like, was I in the washroom? No, you're right freaking there. You just weren't watching it. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah she's, she wasn't into it at the beginning, but she got more into it later. Yeah, so you missed that scene. But yeah, that's why they kind of stopped seeing each other. That makes sense. That makes sense why whenever he kept trying to call her, like, repeatedly, she didn't yeah. want to pick up the phone. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, once you take someone to the porn theater, it's pretty much game over. Yeah, it would be a game over for me too. So I kind of, I'm on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, during that segment, he also drives the candidate who she's actually vouching for. Uh, he drives him in the taxi cab and they get this cool scene where uh, the candidate's trying to just talk to the everyday person that's in the cab, that's driving the taxi. Just trying to get an understanding of just the random schmoes out there. And you really get that feeling of like how it would be to talk to just some random person that you that, that mm -hmm. like says they want to vote for you and kind of get into the mind of kind of the people you would never talk to. I yeah. thought that that was a pretty fun scene and Robert De Niro's hilarious how he's like, well, I could uh, make a decision. I'd get rid of the trash. Uh, flush it out like a toilet. Like he was like all over the place. Very funny, very wild. Uh, I thought that was a really, really fun scene. I, I liked, I liked the first half a lot. Yeah, no, I thought it was interesting that the random guy that is running for president or whatever he's running for ends up in his taxi cab. It was very fitting since he wanted to do like election work for him on the campaign, but only to get close to the chick. Yeah, so. We then kind of get into the second storyline here where he's a taxi driver. So a girl jumps into the back of the taxi, tells him to drive off, but he doesn't. And so then a guy jumps in, grabs the girl and pulls her away, takes a crumbled up $20 bill and throws it at Robert De Niro and says, hey, thanks for not driving off. Pretend this never happened. And so just that one weird interaction with the girl wanting to drive off and the guy pulling her back Robert takes that $20, puts it in his pocket. And then this is definitely like a little symbol we'll get for the rest of the film. He uh, has to give some money to a friend and he hands him a bunch of money. In that pile of money was the $20 bill, but he pulls that aside and puts it back in his pocket. And he gives out the other money to his friend. This is probably 
probably one of my favorite scenes. I just like how it connects with them, the guy throwing the wadded up $20 bill in. Yeah. I don't know. It was very like symbolic for like what he stood for as a person. Exactly. How is someone that weird still has yeah. morals. Morals. He's exactly. He has his limits and he mm -hmm. realized that $20 was blood money. Like, yeah. like it was dirty money. And he didn't want to spend it no matter what. So he kept it in his pocket, not willing to spend it on anything. Mm -hmm. So they then eventually uh, interconnect where he goes back to try and find her. Pays uh, some guys, uh, some creepy long haired mm -hmm. dude. Goes upstairs to go talk to her because she's a prostitute. And while they're in the room, she's trying to undress him, trying to take her clothes off. And he comes to telling her to stop. He's like, I know you're trying to leave that night. Let me help you. Like, I didn't help you that night, but let me help you now. Like, clearly, you're in a bad place and you try to leave. And I feel like it's my duty to help you out here. And so he kind of gets this friendship with the girl is Jodie Foster. And he kind of gets this friendship with her character that feels really genuine. It's probably, like, the one thing I love about that storyline. I don't really love some of the other characters and, you know, where that story goes. But yeah, his bond with Jodie Foster was really cute. It was very much like an older brother to a, to a little sister kind of thing. It was, it was adorable. Yeah, once again, it just showcases what an actual good person he is. Thinking, okay, I'm going to take this little girl away from this bad situation and I'm going to help her. And I don't know, I liked it. I liked their bond. I thought it was really cute whenever he took her out to breakfast. And yeah, overall, that was Probably one of my favorite parts as well. I, it was kind of crazy seeing Jodie Foster that young in a film for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looked really young. Yeah. And so when he left his conversation with her, he runs past the guy that gave him the crumble $20, and he throws it back at him and says, here's your 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he, he doesn't want it. This is your money. I am, like, you paid me to not step in, and I'm giving the money back because I'm stepping in. Like, I'm not taking your money. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a really cool scene. And so that's pretty much the first two thirds. That's pretty much everything I really liked. Uh, I think some of these, I think how the stories storylines end aren't the best. But was there anything about like, before we get to like all the chaos, was there anything uh, else you wanted to mention about any of the storylines, any of the characters? <laughs> I was trying to think. I can't really think of too much more. I was just going to bring up the fact that like, he sees... Jodie Foster that one night when she tries to get in his cup and then like I think he like reoccurringly sees her two more times throughout the film before he actually like figures out where she's going. Yeah, he's trying to keep an eye on her. Yeah. Look out for her. Yeah. Yeah, I also liked the scene where he was making the contraptions for the guns. That was really cool. Yeah. I like how he took like the little railing that you would have from a dresser drawer <laughs> and attaches a gun to it so like slides out. Yeah. That's cool. I liked that. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> And uh, I just felt like he was having a fun time there, talking to himself in the mirror, thinking he was a badass. I liked it, yeah. He, he was uh, high on his supply, that scene. It was good. I also like the, like, the other mini scene that really shows, like, what a good person he is, is when he's in, like, his neighborhood convenience store and the guy's getting ready to rob him. And then he ends up shooting the guy, which probably isn't the best, but he was trying to protect the other guy because that's his friend. Anyway, I... <laughs> but then after he has the act the reaction he has, he's like, oh crap, I don't even have like registration for this gun. It, it was an interesting scene. But he was, he at the 
And he was trying to do the right thing again. Yeah, no, I thought he was really good. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he, I think the the layers of this character is really great. And that's probably the crutch of the story, right? Like, I think why people love this film is he's a very complex character, very dynamic. Uh, and I think it's done nothing but age well. I think mm-hmm. nowadays we love characters like that. I think that's why Joker was so big uh, and success. I think that's why Joker was so successful was I, I just think audiences really like complex heroes or complex villains per se. Um, well, you know, I guess like big blockbusters, they're still pretty one noted character designs. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, aside from like blockbusters, I think uh, the movies that we gravitate towards are more complex heroes. I feel like we like to root for people that feel real. And he definitely feels like a whack job that still has a lot of moral grounds. And I think that's what makes him a pretty fun protagonist. Yeah, that's he's literally the biggest reason why I really like this film is because he is such an in-depth character. So we can get to uh, kind of how we start wrapping up these storylines. He first uh, takes a wad of money, puts it in a little notepad that is addressed to Jodie Foster's character. Uh, and on the note, he even says, this should be enough money for you to run away and leave from those horrible people. Uh, and I'm probably not going to make it. And so you kind of already know, Robert De Niro ain't going to survive this bad boy. He's not going to make it. But we first close off the first storyline that we had, where he goes to the campaign, the big election. Uh, And during the speech, he's kind of standing there. He's got his nice hairdo going. He's got his big jacket, his gun's ready to go. Uh, He wants to shoot the candidate. Um, And I don't necessarily understand why. Uh, My understanding from my point of view is because the girl left him and he's taking it out on the person, like her entire job, right? Like he's kind of taking it out on the big man, right? Like the upper class, which is like, like she's very much in the rich Richard side mm-hmm. of things, right? Uh, similar to similar to Joker, I guess. Uh, it's very much like this is a class struggle. This is uh, he's taken out on the big man that he's holding responsible for the grime and dirt from his side. So that's what I assume. Well, that that's kind of how I took it too. He wanted to take it out on that that chick, but I don't really know how that makes. sense. Sense. I guess, like you're saying, just because like they're upper class or whatnot. And he's a bit of a whack job. We would already discuss this, you know. Yeah, probably in it his head. Exact yeah. sense to me, but yeah. No to this to Andrea, but I'll note it here. I'm curious to see if Bound for Glory and Rocky have this, but all three nominations we've seen so far have had the shot of, in the foreground, the first two were televisions. Obviously, the news report for all the presidents' men. Mm-hmm the television station for network. And then this, since it's all about the campaign posters, it's a couple of posters of the guy running for the election uh, on top of like a mailbox or something. Uh, His poster's up there in the foreground. And you see our lead character in the background responding to that image. And so I think that that same shot's in all three of these films. I think it's pretty crazy that they all went for the same visual image that is really effective. I think I really like, I think the shot's pretty cool. Uh, and I've only noticed it in these three films ever. I think that's interesting that mm-hmm. all these nominations have that same shot. It's interesting. I wonder if it's the same cinematographer every time. I wonder if he's like, oh, I really like this shot. I'm going to keep doing it in all these movies. But very interesting. I'm, I hope the other two have it too. That's pretty funny. But anyways, he then goes with the gun, 
towards the candidate. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be, like, a little picky. Once again, the guy's a little kooky, so uh, I guess we could just blame it on him being a bit of a weirdo. But why did he, like, reach for the gun in his pocket so far away from where the guy was, right? Like, he's... So, for those that haven't seen the film, the candidate is, like, leaving the stadium... Robert De Niro is uh, trying to walk quickly through everybody in the crowd, so they're both going to connect in the middle of the crowd, and he's going to shoot him, right? So as soon as he enters the crowd, he has his hand on the gun inside his jacket. So all of the security guards are like, hey, uh, Mr. Candidate, uh, you you run back. We're going to take care of this. This guy clearly has a gun because he's running like he definitely has a gun in his freaking pocket. Like He is not being mysterious about this at all, which is fine, but we just literally five minutes before had a scene where he's quickly drawing the gun out so he doesn't have to hold it beforehand. Like he's quickly doing the quick draws. He's practicing, but then he just doesn't do what he's practicing. Like he just goes, ah, screw the practice. I'm just going to hold on to this bad boy. Clearly I have a gun if I'm doing this crap. And he has the contraption on his arm. Like even if he doesn't trust his quick draw. Okay. If you don't trust your quick draw, you have a second gun attached to your arm that you flick your arm and the gun pops in your hand. Why is he running around with like his jacket lift up but his hand deep in his jacket clearly holding a gun? Like Hi. if he wanted to kill this guy, he did the worst way possible. Like he failed. Like that was a terrible mission. So obviously it didn't work because they saw the dude a mile away in this giant green trench coat holding a gun super obviously. Well, this is my favorite part is how he came to this thing dressed. Yeah, he's he, like yeah. gives himself a fucking mohawk. He has this big army jacket. He looks shady as fuck. And yeah, and then he just kind of pusses out and he runs away. But at least he gets away from the secret service men or whatever they're called. So he gets away with it. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't even mean, mean to be nitpicky here. I think the scene's great. I think he looks awesome. I think, like, the way it's shot is so cool. Like, what's going to happen? Oh, my gosh. Um, so everything about the scene was great. I'm just saying. Uh, he was practicing, and he failed. Like, he sucked. Like, he, like, yeah, he was terrible. I feel like what was supposed to happen was kind of like how we saw Gandhi get killed in Gandhi, is he was supposed to actually go up to him and, like, shoot him or whatever, but he did not do that. Yeah. No, whatsoever. Yeah. He failed. Yeah, he definitely failed. I wish Gandhi was able to see somebody with a giant green trench coat from a mile away holding the gun like an animated character. I, I wish he had that opportunity. I wish he could have lived too. Yeah. He was a pretty cool guy. Yeah, if I could choose who could live, that candidate or Gandhi, I'm picking Gandhi 10 out of 10 times. So that, 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 he's a real bro. Honestly, I don't know if you've seen my rankings for all the best picture films, which I think when we eventually finish all these years, when we're yeah. both like in our 50s, uh, well, you know, yeah. when we're both yeah, older... Yeah. Um, we'll eventually do a ranking of all the best picture winners once we watch them all. Uh, right now, Gandhi's kind of creeping up. Every I keep thinking about it. I really like that movie. Anyways, back to uh, te Taxi Driver, a movie that people like a lot more than Gandhi. Yeah, people don't like Gandhi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's not very well loved. Uh, I would say they're about on par. I like this just as much as Gandhi. Wow, really? Yeah, I think so. I think I like this more than Gandhi. I like them both. They're both great. <laughs> I would have beers with Gandhi and uh, Taxi Driver. Gandhi doesn't drink, though, so sorry. That's true. <laughs> I will sit on the ground with Gandhi, and then I'll go watch porn with Robert De Niro. That would be my perfect date with these two guys. You don't watch porn, but okay. I will if it's with Robert De Niro any day of the week. 
But um, <laughs> he runs off like a little bitch. But then we get so that storyline is kind of closed off. Uh, not really finished, but it's, it's 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 finished. And so we get to him still got these guns confronting all these people that are kind of holding Jodie Foster in this terrible position. So he kind of comes out guns blazing. Kills I'll them all you, off. Bam, bam, bam. Well, I'll tell you really quick. Whenever she, whenever he wrote that letter, I actually thought he he was meaning to die at the end of this. Like he was. The, okay. Okay. Yeah, he was definitely meaning to die, right? Yeah, I guess so. He just that's just not how it played out. But yeah. Yeah. So he kills a bunch of people. They get quite a few good shots on him. One right into the neck. Right, right into that neck. So he gets all of them down. Kills them all. Jody's able to run away. The police are there instantly. Yeah. Like, like it's like they were following him because literally, as soon as he kills them, he turns around and they're right there. He does. He does the cool shot of him putting the finger gun motion to his head and shooting himself. Uh, really cool shot. It was done really well. It looks cool. And then uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, my issue with the scene is um, I don't know why. When he does the finger gun shots, that's that's well shot. I think the rest of it isn't shot that well. I feel like they didn't know how to frame these scenes and this action in the hallway. I feel like uh, it, it must have been sloppy. a real hallway. Yeah. And it uh, it feels blurry. It doesn't feel super well lit. Like it looks. Yeah. It, 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 I don't want to say cheap. But it, you know, it doesn't look. It looks older than 1970 in, mm-hmm. in like some of those shots. Uh, then the rest of the film looks so nice that maybe that's why it looks even worse. Is because the rest mm-hmm. of the shot, the rest of the film is shot so well. I'm not even saying it's shot poorly. I'm just saying it looks off. Like something about it. I think the way that some of them die and the way that some of them come back to life in like a surprise. It feels a little off during the whole thing, and I don't really love the whole action scene. I know that's probably supposed to be like the most exciting part. I don't love it. I feel like my favorite scene, even though I thought he was an idiot in the candidate shooting scene, uh, I thought that was done much more, like the way it was framed was much more exciting, like what was going to happen. And this feels a lot of like, he got shot in the neck, and he's still running around shooting people. Like It feels a little like... I kind of start disbelieving everything. Yeah, he's running around with his hand on his neck, and you see how he still has his gun, and it's it's a little bit of chaos. Like, I knew he was going back, like, obviously, to go kill these people because he wanted to free Jodie Foster. That was, like, the overall goal of him doing this huge action scene. Uh... I love how then he ends up killing the guy. And we don't even know who this guy is. It's just some random guy that's about to do Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah, I like to imagine that when he gets chased away by the police at the little campaign thing, it shows him back in his apartment. What if he just killed himself then? What if he just shot himself in the head? Because he, he, uh, he's, he's nervous, he's panicked, he feels like he failed. Uh, and then he imagined the rest of this. He imagined going in there, shooting everybody, guns blazing. He gets shot in the neck. He, it doesn't matter. It's Robert De Niro. In his mind, he's fucking awesome. So he can do all this yeah. stuff. You know, I, I like to think that makes uh, makes but... the film feel a little bit better. <laughs> but then he dies. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to black. Uh, I, I, if it went to credits, it would have been better for me. Uh, he comes I... back to life 
after getting shot in the neck. I, I, I imagine you, you believe he is dead, and this is like in his imagination. No. It feels more. It makes more sense. <laughs> it, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yeah. But it the makes more thing sense. is, I don't think that's actually what happened. I think his neck got healed up. Then you see the letter that Iris's parents wrote to him, like yeah. thanking him for what they did to his daughter. Yeah. And then he's joking around with his buddies at the end. And yeah. That's kind of how it cuts. Yeah. Jodie Foster, parents, write him a letter. He's at the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. That's why that's my biggest thing. I was like, they think he's a hero. And in a way, I guess he is a hero. He probably just busted a huge, like, whorehouse or whatever. But, like, he also killed three people. One guy that wasn't, like, I mean, he was doing something wrong. But, like, he wasn't even the pimp or anything. I don't yeah. know. And the guy that's running for office, can he not also point to that crazy dead guy and say, that murderer also tried to kill me today? Can that guy not say, oh, he was trying to murder me? Like, I feel like he's got a lot of explaining to do for the police. (laughs) Yeah, something just doesn't add up here for Robert Dodaro. I refuse to think he's not dead. He has to be dead. If he's not dead, this entire ending makes no sense. Maybe I need to, like, look at a summary or, like, someone actually going over the events of what happened. Yeah, no, I'm convinced he's dead. I'm convinced. But, um, yeah. And then he gets into that taxi where the girl that he was with at the beginning from the campaign, she's in the back seat. Oh, yeah. And she seems into him. And it's this nice little send-off. And then the film ends. Even if he somehow miraculously survived... And he's in the and he survives the hospital and all that. That's hundred percent fake. Well, that that is that, in his mind. He's driving off, imagining yeah. the girl wanting to be with him. That is fake. No, hundred yeah. percent because that's how I was. Thinking. That part definitely felt like a dream. Like yeah. that's what he would have wanted to happen. Yeah, and the rest of it was framed like it was real. Uh, but that scene with the lights in the background, it feels very like romanticized. The, yeah. Like the dirty, gross New York streets all of a sudden look a little prettier. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels like it's more of a romanticized imagination of him being this hero. Mm -hmm. He gets the hero journey. So, yeah, that part I can for sure say was, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident that was fake. Uh, the rest of that ending, I hope it's fake, but, uh, (laughs) I I don't don't know. Though, if it wasn't, I believe he dies. I believe he dies in the whorehouse. I like to think he died beforehand, but I think he died there. I just think that would be a better ending as well. I do too. I do too. Yeah, I'm pretty confident he does die in the whorehouse. Uh, and I like to just think when he's dying, he's imagining that Jodie Foster obviously got out safe and sound, got to run away and be with her family again. Like, that's his ideal that's dream. that's all he wanted. Yeah. That's all he wanted for her. And they had a really sweet relationship, so yeah. Yeah, so... Anyways, that is Taxi Driver. Woo-hoo! I feel like your strategy is going to make these podcasts a lot longer, Andrew, which might be good. Uh, it gives us more yeah, time well, to reflect. Yeah, well, this one I really liked, so I knew I was going to have quite a bit to say about it. Yeah, so uh, we'll kind of just wrap it all into this. We'll literally, it'll literally feel like two separate podcasts put into one. Maybe I'll even make them into separate podcasts eventually, but for now, we'll keep it in one. But uh, we might as well just go through all the nominations instead of comparing them okay. after we watch the next one, because then we're not going to really know much about Taxi Driver. But what was your thoughts on the performances? So for Robert De Niro, what did you think of him? He was amazing. Like I said, this is probably my favorite Robert De Niro performance ever. Out of anything I've ever seen from him, uh, he was superb. I thought he really embraced the character. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. Uh, And we can also look at Jodie Foster for Sporting Actress. I think she's really good. I think she's a good nomination. I am perfectly fine with her not winning. I thought that... 
She was really good, uh, but she felt also a little one dynamic. Like she was very much just like the damsel in distress for Robert De Niro to pick up and save, uh, which is good for a supporting actress nomination and she was great in it. But yeah, uh, not super, not nearly as complex as Robert De Niro. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely, uh, she was really young, so I would have been really surprised if she even won for the supporting role, to be honest. Uh, she was good, but like you said, I don't think I would have get, given her the award for that. Yeah, I'm just happy she got nominated for how Me young too. she is. Yeah, yeah, she's very young, so I was pretty shocked. And what do you think of the score? Uh, we haven't really talked on it, but the score is my favorite part. It was pretty good. I think I remember you pointing it out at one point. You're like, yeah. oh, listen to the score. Because sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of death tone and I don't really listen to the score of movies. Yeah, I'd say my favorite score of all the nominations we've had so far. A really wow. good score. I mean, like, of this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just want to clarify. There's better <laughs> scores of all the movies we've discussed. Yes. But for 1977, definitely the best. I really like it. What would be your favorite part? I don't know if I really necessarily had a favorite part. I just loved Robert De Niro overall as a character. He probably honestly will go down as one of my favorite overall characters just because of how he was. He was really good. He was really good. Yeah, I think my favorite part is probably the you talking to me, him making the oh, contraption. Yeah. Uh, that's mostly just because it's just, it's just him. It's just him in a room, being De Niro. He's great. Uh, so I probably, yeah, just pick that scene just because, like you said, he's so dynamic. He was fun. so intense in that scene to you, like looking in the mirror. He's like, oh yeah, I wish I literally had like, that scene cut where like I could just hear everything he was saying to himself because it was so good. Yeah. What was your least favorite part? Where you took the girl to see porn because you were so bored you were texting yeah, my mom? Yeah, that must have been it. It yeah. probably would have been something at the beginning. Yeah, I can't believe he took her on a date to go watch porn, but then again, he was a weirdo, so I guess it made sense. Yeah. No, his face in that scene was great. Like he's still be blown like, what's wrong? We're just watching a movie. I thought you wanted to watch a movie. Like, really, really, really. You don't want to watch Yeah. Movie. You change your mind all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, my least favorite uh, is probably just the ending. Even if it's all a dream and he did die, um, it, it doesn't matter. I thought that some of it wasn't handled. Uh, you know, I, I just thought the ending wasn't my thing. It wasn't where I would have wanted the story to go. Uh, what would be your storyboard, Andrea? Oof. So for this... A uh, man is a little weird, but he wants to do good, so he <laughs> kills a whole whorehouse to free a little girl. I don't know. That might be a kind of long storyboard. Mine is, uh, Robert De Niro watches people get fucked, and at the end, he gets fucked. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, what would be your score for Taxi Driver? You know, I honestly think it's going to be pretty high. I think I'm going to blow you away with the score. <laughs> it better be blowing me like those girls Robert De Niro likes to watch. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. I'm thinking right now I'm leaning towards a 4.5. Wow. Yeah. Blow me away. We're crazy. Did I? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I assumed so by the way you were <laughs> acting. Um, I'm going to give this a four. Uh, it's the same scores I gave it the first time I watched it. I still really like it. Yeah. During the first half, I was thinking, wow. Maybe this is a 4.5, maybe, uh, maybe. And then I watched the, and then, yeah. you know, and then I got to the end and I was like, okay, no, it's definitely still a four. 
I do really like the film. I do think it's fantastic. Uh, just the way it's presented. Mm -hmm. I think the story is really fun. De Niro and Scorsese are probably both at their best here. They're having a fantastic time. Uh, it's a really gritty, uh, gross world, and I just want to be a part of it. I do like it. It, it is a really good movie. Uh, so yeah, that is everything for Taxi Driver. And in about five seconds, we are going to be talking about Bound for Glory. All right. And just like that, to you guys, it seems like a quick five second period but for us it was a good what a week almost uh maybe a week and a half it took quite a while mostly because i really had to convince andrew to watch this one we watched taxi driver no problemo andrew was like i'm a big scorsese fan he's my boy robert de niro he's my boy i love both these men i'd go on dates with them if i could but uh, when it comes to bound for glory she was not as excited you know a, a bit of a longer film western uh yeah not andrea's thing so it took us a while but here we are in andrea uh you to a total 180 here right this is definitely one of your favorite films of the 1976 oh yeah absolutely the fucking best like wow how did this not win um just kidding honestly this is probably the worst film we've watched for this year or for every year so far well, for this year, I'm sure we've watched, I don't know, honestly, the, this one was pretty bad. I was not into whoever this guy was. His, honestly, his storyline was pretty boring, in my opinion. All right, so we'll try and run down this since, you know, you guys have probably seen Taxi Driver or at least heard of the story. Uh, but for Bound for Glory, I'm sure many of you guys have not heard of this story. So we'll kind of take you down on this long journey path, taking a little express train to the story. Uh, Andrea, uh, do you want to give us a quick rundown on what happened in this film? So it was about a guy that had a dream about being a musician. He rode a lot of fucking trains. Started with him riding a train. And it ended with him riding a train. That's probably going to be my tagline later on as well. Because <laughs> all this dude fucking did. He had a couple women. He left all the women because he just cared about his career and the fucking trains. <laughs> That's all I got from this thing. I, th I think there's only the two trains, Adrian. I don't think it was... There was a lot of trains. Yeah, the two, two train no. scenes. If you're a big train fan, you'd like this no. film. Uh, I would not say that this movie is about trains, but... hundred trains. He likes to get on the trains because he's like a hobo. Yeah, yeah so um, you haven't seen this movie, Andrea, but this film reminds me quite a bit of Grapes of Wrath. Except Grapes of Wrath is really good and this isn't. But <laughs> uh, story-wise, similar enough where it's more about the American dream where the, the main guy, he's down on his luck, he's in a terrible situation, he's stuck in a very poor situation with his family, and he goes on his own journey to live out the American dream, to find profit and wealth and you know live his life to the fullest. He's, he's a musician, he likes to play his little guitar and whistle his little harmonica. And so he's out there, you know, he does go on a train, as Andrea has said, and a lot he, of trains. You know, yeah, he takes this bit of a journey here where he kind of goes from the bottom to the top. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Scarface, but without the guns and, and, and without the cocaine and without Al Pacino. 
Uh, but it, it, you know, it's one of those classic biopic stories of an individual from the bottom working their way to the top to being successful. Uh, and I think when they're at their peak, when they're at the top, it is a little bit more exciting at least. Um, so I thought the last 30 minutes was a bit more interesting. Not that much more interesting to get me like hooked into this film. It's really not my kind of thing at least. It's about, I don't know if you guys know much about me over the last you know, uh, year or so we've been doing this podcast. I'm famously not a big music guy. I'm sure I've mentioned this during Oliver or whatever musical we've watched. I don't love music. It's not really my thing. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't really enjoy it at all in movies unless it's like The Lion King. So, you know, they, they sang a, quite a few songs in this movie since it's about a guy that likes to sing and play music so none of that was really my thing at all the western aspect not really my thing we'll get into the cinematography because it was not only nominated but won for this film and i don't think the cinematography is great i do think there's some good shots i think i noted that a few times while we were watching it i don't even think it's but i don't think it was worthy enough to be nominated let alone one uh, you know it's just because it's got that western grain and color grade to it. It's just not really for me. And that's the way I look at it. I don't think this movie is terrible. I just think this movie is everything I do not enjoy, which is over two hours. It's almost two and a half hours. Western, music, uh, you know, very few biopics I enjoy. I like Gandhi, as we've discussed, but I don't normally love biopics because I find them to be a bit of a drag at times. So overall, it's just not my kind of film. No. It was very long, very hard to like pay attention to. I'm not a big train person. Oh my gosh. So the reason why Andrew remembers the train scenes is because she was on her phone the entire movie and the trains would always make that big whistle like to let him know that the train's here. <laughs> and that's when Andrew would quickly look up from her phone and go, oh, a train. And so, oh, in Andrew's mind, yeah, so in Andrew's mind, the movie was just all trains because they made the big... Trains? Yeah, the big whistle train. Yeah. That was literally this film in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I really, I really hate films over two hours. I think everyone knows that by now. Literally cannot keep my attention. And I'm not a huge biopic person either. I honestly cannot recall one that I actually really, really like. Now that I'm trying to think of it, there's there's not any. And this guy, he just had he had the women and then he left the women. So nothing nothing good there. <laughs> Andrew keeps saying she doesn't like this movie. I think if she like put her phone down, I, I think I think you would have liked this a lot more than me. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was busy texting her BFF or something. She was a little busy, but I no. think you would have liked this more. It was, uh, it was, it, you know, the story was similar to Grapes of Wrath um, in plot, like, you know, in like the American dream aspect. But I think the characters are very similar to Driving Miss Daisy, which Andrew famously really liked while no. we did this. They're all Southern and over the top nice, you but weird. You kept comparing it to that. I don't, don't see yeah. the resemblance at all, they're, they're, to be quite honest. I thought, I thought the way they talked was just as frustrating as Driving Miss Daisy. But, um, you know, this movie didn't have Morgan Freeman, so Driving Miss Daisy gets a little think, bit of an edge. I think the reason it took me so long to even want to pay attention is because we kept finding those foreign fucking dubs of this film 
for like the first 30 minutes of us trying to watch it. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So this is this is definitely the worst film that we've seen so far for this year for the Oscars. You know, spoiler. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> love this film and neither did Andrea. No. Uh, so I guess it is okay that this is the hardest one to find. This was not in the library. This was not on any streaming service. Nope. This was not able to be rented anywhere. Nope. I, I tried to rent it. I tried to nope. go to every single rental site I knew, yep. could not find it. And then when I found, tried to find it in other ways, it was a completely different dubbed version <laughs> of like a different language. Yes. So I couldn't find this movie anywhere. I finally, finally found a place to watch it. But I, I could not rent it. I could not stream it. It was nowhere. It was They scraped it off the face of this earth. I think the Oscars, the Academy, realized this movie was not that um, great. And they tried to pretend. They were ashamed of yeah. it. And I completely agree. They should be ashamed of this. <laughs> so, yeah, this movie was very hard to find. I'm trying not to let that affect my view of the film. Because I feel like the last time we watched a film that was very hard to find, Rachel, Rachel... I also didn't like it. This was better. Sorry, this was not better than Rachel Rachel. I liked Rachel Rachel. Yeah, more. yeah, Rachel Rachel was better. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying not to like let um, these difficult experiences of accessing the film affect my ranking of the film. Um, yeah, it's, it's just this isn't my thing. Uh, this, this is kind of Andrew's thing, but she was uh, too busy. On her no, phone. No, this is not my thing. I until, don't like yeah. biopics. Until the train came up. <laughs> Whenever the big loud train whistle came, Andrea per perked her head up and went, oh, another train. It's almost like I want to shut up. I want to like biopics, but I find it so hard to. I really want to watch like The Darkest Hour, which is about Winston Churchill. I'm excited for that. Didn't you like Gandhi? Gandhi was okay. It was too long for me though that was my biggest complaint long. about gandhi it was long but it was good so anyways uh for the nominations this film received it was obviously nominated for best picture that's why we're sitting here discussing this today andrea i don't know how but it was it was also nominated for costume editing adapted screenplay and it won song score and cinematography i can see i can definitely see why it won cinematography that was one thing, those, those fucking shots from those trains, <laughs> OMG. The only scenes Andrew saw were the trains, so uh, I'm going to have to carry 90% of this conversation. Andrew can, <laughs> can hop in to discuss the train I do, shots. I do remember there was a scene where he got his ass beat, though. Probably, that was pretty what, intense. Was it by a train? No, unfortunately oh, not. Oh, it was by right. a person. Yeah, Andrew kills me. Those train shots were pretty good. The only thing you watched... Huh. Train shots. Andrew, yeah, so Andrew, how was the costuming in the train scenes? Pretty freaking sweet. Pretty sweet. They look like, they look like snowboys because him and the one guy like got on top of the train. Yeah, they did get on top of a train. I that, that, yeah, that was a, that was a scene with the train. What about the uh, editing for the train scenes? Was that any good? Because I got nominated for that. I honestly don't remember much about the editing. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. What about the screenplay, uh, the train scenes? Were they captivating? <laughs> Written well? They must have been because I liked them the most. <laughs> well, like I said, my theory is you're on your phone and then you hear the train noise of the <gasps> no, train what? entering. 
So I think that's well, what I got also him. remember at the end, his wife was pissed off at him. Because yeah, he wanted to quit. He wanted to quit the job. And she's like, this is the most money you've ever made here. And he's like, to hell with it. And then he left his family, like his kids and his wife. And he's like, bye, I'm going to get on this train. Yeah, another train. <laughs> there, Of course, Andrew remembers that scene. <laughs> Um, but to quickly give a little bit of a story here, um, honestly, the first two thirds is just him getting into this very high position of an artist. He starts singing in this yeah. uh, relatively big town, bigger than the town he grew up in, at least. And so he's singing these songs. He's becoming very well known and finally gets a contract for uh, a, a pretty big radio station. Uh, what? I know nothing about music. What's it called? Uh, he, uh, a company picks him up. What are they called? Some studio. Music studio. Like a record sure. label? Record label. Sure. Why not? Well, I know nothing about music. This is not a music podcast. So whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> we'll call it a record album. Uh. Why not? Knock your socks out. So he gets one of those bad boys. He starts singing Whoa. some music for him. And unfortunately, the lead guy here steers his path towards what he's singing. Uh, the, the main guy... He wants to sing all these music. He wants to sing these songs to the lower class yeah. to kind of build them up and want to not necessarily rebel, but maybe also follow their dreams. Kinda. He wants, exactly. But like his goal isn't to make them rebe rebellious. He wants them to be inspired and to also seek out their dreams and not be stuck working as slaves or, you know, like be this working class that's just stuck in this terrible well, position. So he wants to encourage people and inspire and unfortunately the record label guy uh you know he does not want to make an uprise in the town he wants everybody yeah. to be stuck the way they are so he can be stuck on top and so he's trying to make him sing you know more poppy fun songs that aren't going to cause any disturbance and what i was gonna say that's another scene that i remember is when they drive out to this field with all these workers <laughs> and they're like start singing to him or whatever. And then these guys, I'm like, how the hell did they even know they were there? Come up behind him and they like try to beat the shit out of him because they don't want them to influence their workers. Yeah, that is a scene. And there was no train in it. Good job, Andrew. See, I told you I paid attention. But there was a car that made a big honking noise. I think that's, oh. I, <laughs> I think that's what it was that got your attention. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think it's all coming together. I think anytime there's a loud noise, Andrew pays attention for five minutes. So she's good to go. No. And then there's another scene where he meets the other lead guy that he becomes friends with and they're like singing buddies. And then, yeah, they get in trouble again for singing in public. Like they get all, actually, I guess there's a lot of them getting in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, oh, no, we're in trouble. And the next scene, everybody's all happy and hunky-dory. Because he's like, the one guy's like, I told you not to sing around here. Yeah. Good impression. <laughs> You're killing it. A hundred percent. So he ends up confronting his boss here for the label. And he ends up getting himself fired, which at first I thought, oh, wow, the stakes are being raised here. We got about 15 minutes left, but the stakes are finally being raised. We got some... in intrigue going on in the final uh you know 15 minutes but uh he literally leaves the office runs into his buddy in the hallway and his buddy goes hey you just got fired well that's no problemo come join me we got a job here where we can go uh, like we can go on like a tour here and sing songs to people 
to inspire, to like be like this big thing where we can finally do what we want to do. And woohoo! Dream come true, baby. I love it. He got fired, walks out the door. Yeah. Gets the job he was wanting. He gets to do what he wants. Look at that. He's good to go. And then that's where we get the fight where he tells his wife, hey, I'm going to go out on the road here, live my dream, and have other people live their dream and bring all these messages to everybody. And his wife's like, well, what about me and the kids? And he's like, well, honey, I can go have a wife and other kids on another town. I don't know what the big deal is. He doesn't say that. He's a very, you know, like I said, he's like driving Miss Daisy. He's like one of the Southern Hicks, like, oh, shucks, ma. This ain't the town for the both of us. I gotta, I gotta share my wisdom, y'all. And then they, you know, have a little hissy fit. And then uh, he leaves and all's well ends well. That's the movie. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. And I pointed this out, and I pointed this out to Andrew. This isn't necessarily a audio podcast uh, material. But during the fight, there's like a fridge. And then there's a big ball on top of the fridge. I don't know what that is. And if you ever find this movie in some crevice of the world, because they clearly tried to hide this movie, if you ever watch it and you ever notice that ball, that big ball on top of the fridge, I believe it is a very weird freezer, but it doesn't make much sense to me. So I I don't know. Let me know. I would really appreciate it. We Um, need to know. Yeah, well, why need to know? Andrew doesn't need to know. She, she, she saw the train scenes. She's good to go. I do want to know because I saw the fight scene between his wife. Because once again, the wife started yelling and making really loud noises. Oh my god! And Andrew lifted her head up. She's like, "Is that a train? Oh no, it's a woman yelling." Well, I'll, I'll check this out. Yeah, that is uh, pretty much everything on my end for this film. You know, a relatively quick. We're we're speed racing this here, but uh, anything else you want to comment on the train scenes, Andrea? They were. They were good for train scenes, absolutely. All right, if we were going to be making a train podcast here, what would you give the what would you give this movie based on purely the train scenes? Well, there were a lot of fucking trains. So it was like I, three. I don't know. I think I would probably give it a four because it's a pretty four out good. of five. Yeah, there was That's a lot nice. of trains. It was amazing for the trains. I learned a lot about them. About you learned how, a lot. Yeah, about how you hide in the train. <laughs> How you almost get picked. He almost died in like the first 10 minutes because he almost got pushed out of the train. And then he escaped with the one dude and they got yeah. on top of the train. That's crazy. And then I just love how he left on a train. He started it on a train and he left on a train at the very end. Yeah, I think he said it like twice already. Incredibly mind-blowing. Yeah, I think that's the only thing you got from this film <laughs> is that he started and ended on a train and he was like, yep. That's the only material I need for this podcast, baby. <laughs> there were a lot of trains. I know you're downplaying the trains, but anyone that watches this would see a lot of trains. Okay. Well, if you're a big train enthusiast, this might be the film for 100% you. 100% yeah. the film for you. Yeah. So, you know. Um, good job, Andrea. Anyways. Thank you. <laughs> so, we can talk about some of the nominations it got. We already discussed the cinematography. Uh, you thought it was pretty good based on just the train scenes, right? Yeah, what, what scenes do you think were pretty good? I don't think that much was very good. Uh, there was one pretty cool shot, noticeably, actually, uh, near the end on one of the trains. I'm not going to lie. So I, I guess you do have a point there. There was a pretty cool train shot. Uh, but most of the cinematography is fine. Um, in fairness, all the other films we watched, All the President's Men, Taxi Driver, and Network, 
Uh, I wouldn't say any of them are standout winners for cinematography. I didn't really love any of those. No. Cinematography-wise, obviously I love Network. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe it was just a weak year for cinematography. And you were wondering why this um, film was nominated for yeah. Best Picture. I, I actually, after watching this movie, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this film is pretty terrible. Why was it nominated for Best Picture? But I looked at the no, at the other films that came out this year. Might have just been a weaker year. Honestly, I kind of looked at it. I thought, you know what? I think, uh, you know, aside from this film, the rest of the films are pretty worthy nominees considering uh, the rest of the year was weaker. I think the only other notice, notable film that people know from the year 1976 is Carrie, which is good. Actually, I haven't even seen it, but you know, it's a pretty iconic film. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I've watched it. Yeah, but it's a horror film. So like, yeah. it's, it's not the Oscars. It's not going to get like yeah. any credit from the Oscars whatsoever. Yeah. And you know, that's just how it is with horror films. Yeah. So and aside from that, that's pretty much it. That's notice, notable from what I know from this year. So you know what I think? I think they killed it for what they had. Uh, they they didn't do too bad, I think, for the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. love Bound for Glory. This would not ever be one of my nominees for the year. But it's also just not my kind of movie. And I think I, I, I can see people that might like this. You know, it's it's absolutely. You know, if you like biopics or trains, yeah. uh, you're good to go. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> Andrew, what did you think of the editing? I honestly didn't notice anything with the audit yeah, editing. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, be like a hundred percent. I didn't think there was anything special whatsoever. Yeah, I just went to go look. Uh, Network has really good editing. It was also nominated, so that's good. I was just double checking. It didn't win either, but you know, that's fine. What did you think about the screenplay, though? It was boring. <laughs> really boring. Not my yeah. thing. Not yeah. my thing whatsoever. Yeah, I agree with that. that uh, yeah, it's a pretty boring film. So the fact it was nominated, it makes me feel like this is really weak. I don't know what was nominated against it, but yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> For me, the, the screenplay, yeah, I have to look at the actual, the actual list of nominees to see mm -hmm. what was nominated with it, but... Yeah. Who's only nominated? Did it win? If it won, I might have been a little bit more upset. Yeah, because it's really bad. Yeah, the movie that won against it was All the President's Men, which now in hindsight uh, looks a lot more deserving. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Taxi Driver uh, famously didn't even get a nomination for screenplay, by the way. Which it should have. Yeah, it should have gotten... No yeah, 100%. The, the screenplay is really good. Yeah. Uh, but it would have been original, so it wouldn't even been the same category. Oh, that's fair. So anyways, uh, those are all the nominees. Uh, well, there's also costuming, which I would actually say is probably one of the ones I think it should have been nominated for. It was definitely stronger, especially like for the time period and everything it was going for. Yep. No, I, I think the costume is pretty good. Yep. I don't, I don't I got any issue that. with that. Yeah, I don't know what won that year for costume, but it's a worthy nominee. Uh, probably the only thing it should have been nominated for, that and yeah. song score. Yeah, you know, it's got yeah, songs. Why not? It has songs in it. Sure. Why but, not? Like everything else, I kind of just think it just kind of like squeaked in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we still didn't have much to say. We tried this theory of watching them and then immediately podcasting. And, yeah. you know, uh, Taxi Driver, we had a lot more to say than we normally would with this new uh, format. Yeah. And Bound for Glory, we still had pretty much nothing to say. So, you know, I guess it, you know, it win some, lose some. Maybe, maybe if Andrew watched more than the train scenes, we might have oh had, had a longer podcast. Who knows? 
bot. Anyways, Andrew, no. what is your storyboard for this film? I kind of already said it earlier, but I'll add a little more so it's not like as boring. Man has American dream. He starts on a train and he ends on a motherfucking train. Boo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, mine would be driving Miss Daisy Southerners go on a Grapes of Wrath journey for an underwhelming film. There you go. See, now now I seem like I'm more of a wow. critic really slash journalist. Sugar-coated that. You know, it, this, this movie isn't garbage. Um, it is, but... Yeah. My, my score may say otherwise when we give our scorings here. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, as I've said before, it's just not for me. Uh, one thing I do think was interesting. Uh, did we ever mention the main character's name? His name is Woody, if we ever said that. Uh, what I thought was funny was his name's actually Woodrow, and one guy early on in the film says, hey, sorry, uh, that's like Woodrow Wilson. Um, no, we're not going to call you that. We're, 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 gonna, we're just going to call you Woody. And I went, we- oh my gosh. That's so funny that he said the lead character Woodrow reminds him of Woodrow Wilson when he says that name. Because this film is just as bad as Wilson, the movie we discussed previously that I famously said was the worst so far um- we've discussed. That probably is the worst film, actually, yeah. still. It, pre- it pretty much holds that position. Yeah, yeah. Wilson's worse. Uh, I might have this as my second least favorite. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll eventually do a uh, worst nominees ever when we, we when we wrap everything up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that's everything on my end. Uh, what about you, Andrea? You know, you can only give so many shout outs to trains and yeah, I'm done talking about it. Good job, Andrea. You you (laughs) killed it. But anyways, what is your score for Bound for Glory? Uh, We give a 0.5 to 5 scoring range, the same as what you'd see on Letterboxd because we both have Letterboxd there. You could find me at Quentin Phillipson or you can follow Andrea at Andrea is a train emoji. It should be now. Maybe I'll change it to that. Yeah, you should change it. It's Penguin, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, it's Penguin now, but by the time this comes out, it'll be train emojis, so look out for that. I'm changing it right now. All right, well, before you change it, quickly let us know what is your score for what is bound to be one of your favorite films. So, you know, as much as I want to give this a five star, um, probably... Is it going to happen? The trains didn't carry it that much. But because there were trains, I'm going to give it one star. One star? <laughs> yes. Look at that. Look at that. Ooh. Once again, Andrew always tries to lower her score compared to mine. Cause she's, you know, <laughs> she has, uh, she's just trying to downplay the years wow. I pick. Yeah. She's like, you pick 1977. All these movies are a three or lower. She's trying to downplay my scores here. I'm sure when we get to a year she picked, they're all going to be four to five star films. Right, Andrea? Because they'll be better years. That's right. <laughs> That's See, she's already pre- preparing for it. But uh, on my end, uh, you know, I, I see these films what they really are. I know I know the true score. Andrea's a little, she's a little blinded here, a little fogged up from her hatred of me always getting to pick the year. But I know the real score. And this is definitely not a one star. Uh, I'm going to be giving this a one and a half star. <laughs> So, so much better. Yeah, so m- mine's the more genuine Whoa. pick here. Um, and that's only because I quickly checked and I gave Wilson a one star. And I, there, there was definitely elements about this film that I liked more than Wilson. Um, 
but it's also not by much. So it gets one and a half. Uh, you know, I didn't. This was not for me. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, if you like westerners, if you like music, yeah. If you like really long and slow films, or yeah. if you like trains, if any of those four really get your heart pumping, really get you amped up to watch a film, uh, this is definitely for you. But unfortunately, this is not for us. That is everything for this podcast. Or, well, everything for at least Taxi Driver and Bound for Glory until we return in two weeks' time. For what's the best picture winner, Andrea? Rocky. Rocky, that's right. Sorry, it took a little while here. She was on her phone again. It was like we were watching Bound for Glory. Oh, my God. You're so funny. She must have thought we were watching Bound for Glory again. She had to go back on her phone. I love that. Yeah. But anyways, that's everything on our end, guys. See ya.